0: You're listening to The Bible Says. You'll discover that many of the things you think the Bible says, it actually does not say. For more information about LA Church, please visit us online at www.lachurch.ms. How we doing? We doing good? All right. All right, look at the person sitting next to you and tell them to wake up. Tell them, I know you lost an hour of sleep last night, but you got to wake up. God's got something for you. Who's excited to be in God's house? Anybody? All right, all right. I know I am, too. I am, too. Hey, look, if you don't know me, my name is Robert Andrews. I'm just one of the pastors here at Elevate Church, and I'm so glad that you are joining us. You could be in a lot of different locations today. You could just be wherever, but uh, you're here, and I believe God's got you here for a reason. I believe God's got you here because He wants to speak to you. I know He wants to speak to me, and so I'm just so thankful for that. We are in the second week of a series we are calling The Bible Says, The Bible Says. And as we start today, I wonder how many people in here in the room you're married. How many people are married? You should know. Come on now. Raise your hand. If you, if you, I, I think I'm married. If you don't know if you're married or not, you need to get off the drugs, okay? What was I doing? So you know if you're married. Uh, well, this year, actually this year, Amanda and I are going to be celebrating 16 years of marriage. 16 years. She's a saint, you know what I mean, to stay with me for that long. Uh, and so, you know, I know how blessed I am. And so, every now and then, you know, I, I try to try to woo her. You know what I mean? I try to I try to be real romantic. You know what I mean? I try to wine and dine. Or any husbands out there, you try to do that from town, Husbands, you're supposed to be raising your hand. Some people are. Like, I guess you know. Well, so I remember uh, a couple years ago, I decided, man, I'm gonna take her out somewhere fancy. We're gonna go to Arby's, you know. And uh, so we go to Arby's. And some people laugh about that, but man, Arby's is different, and different is good, right? I like me some Arby's. And so we go to Arby's, and as we get to Arby's, we walk in. And you know how sometimes you see people, and you just know that like they're like not happy about life. So we walk in, and the lady behind the register, the lady behind the counter there, you can tell she's probably never smiled before in her entire life. She's probably never smiled before in her entire life. And so there she is, and man, she really, really, really looked rough. She really, really, really... Uh looks scary to me. How many of y'all have ever seen the movie It with that crazy, ugly clown? You know, this lady looked like she could probably scare that clown. I mean, she just looked mean, just looked rough, and so um, Amanda and I were ordering our meal, and I was going to try to make this lady smile. I was doing everything I could to make this lady smile and turn on my charm, you know. I'm like, yeah, I got, I'm bringing my smoking hot wife out on a date, and the woman's just... I'm like, "So she wasn't working. Nothing I did made this woman made this woman smile. And so Amanda orders her roast beef sandwich, she orders her some uh, uh, curly fries and a cup of cheddar, and then I order uh, my meal, And since we're like at this fancy restaurant, you know, on our fancy date, I order me a chicken cordon bleu. Anybody know what I'm talking about? We're at this fancy... Doesn't that even sound fancy? Everybody say chicken cordon bleu. It just sounds fancy, you know? So I'm like, I want a chicken cordon bleu without mayo because I hate mayo. And so uh, I order my mayo. I order a chicken cordon bleu without mayo, order a cup of cheddar, and I order some curly fries, and then me and Amanda, we go and sit down, and we're just sit, stand, sitting there holding hands, and we're gazing into each other's eyes, and she's just so distracted by my good looks and muscles and all, and we're just... We're just in love. And then, uh, we're, again, we're just distracted by each other until they say, ticket number 242. And so that's our ticket number. And so we, I run up there to go get our food and bring our food back to our table. We say the blessing, and we start to eat. And I open up my chicken cordon blue with no mayo. And guess what's on my chicken cordon blue with no mayo? mayo? Mayo. Not just a little bit of Mayo. It was like extra mayo. There was so much mayo, you couldn't even tell it was a chicken sandwich. You know, it was just covered in white, man. It was nasty. And so I go back up to the register where that scary lady was, and uh, I was like, excuse me, ma'am, I think there's been a mistake. And she's like, what's a mistake? And she's like, you know, I'm kind of taken back by this. What's the mistake? And I said, well, uh, I ordered no mayo. And she said, no, you didn't. You ordered extra mayo. And I was like... Uh, Well, uh, no, I don't think I ordered extra mayo because I hate mayo, uh, so I don't think I would have done that. And she said, Oh, yes, you did. And I I was like, Man, this isn't going anywhere. You know what I mean? Anybody ever been in a situation like that where you realize you're just not going to win? And so I said, Well, I said, You're probably right. I just had a momentary loss of memory. Just forgot I hated mayo, so I ordered extra mayo, you know? And so I said, I'm just going to go back and eat my curly fries with my cheddar because cheddar makes everything better, right? (laughs) And she's like, Looking at me like this, and so I go and sit back down. Well, about five minutes later, she brings me, or she's walking back out to me, you know, and I don't know what was going to happen. I thought she was going to punch me or something like that, but she, she comes to the table, and she puts a new, a new sandwich, a new chicken cordon bleu sandwich on my, on my table, and she says, you did order it with extra mayo, and I was like, okay, but so I open up this new sandwich, and guess what? She had made me a sandwich without mayo, without mayo, amen, 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 but you think I ate that sandwich? Mm-mm. <laughs> I ain't eat that sandwich. You might have put a boogie or something in it. You know what I mean? I didn't eat it. Mom, I was born that night, not last night. Mom ain't raised no fool. Uh, I ain't eat that sandwich. But again, I wanted, I wanted no mayo, no mayo, and she put extra mayo on there. See, there really are times in our life when people get what we say wrong. Am I right? Uh, and there are also times in our life where we get what other people say wrong. We do that with people, but we also do that with God's word. See, during this series, what we've been doing and what we are going to do is we're gonna talk about things that the people say the Bible says but in actuality, a lot of times the things that people say the Bible says, it doesn't really say it the way people actually uh, people actually are, are saying it. You know what I mean? They're, they're a little uh, incorrect in their translation. And so we're going to be looking at misquoted verses, misused verses. And last week we talked about how a lot of people think, "Hey, you know what, you can ask God for anything and He will do it, right? Anything you ask God of, He'll do it. And why do people believe that? Well, they believe that because of verses like John chapter 14, verse 14 where Jesus said, you may ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. Again, if you take that verse just at face value, you're left with the impression that, again, anything you ask about God, just because you ask him of it, he has to do it. Again, because you ask him. But that's not what Jesus was actually saying. If you miss that message, you can go back online and you can listen to it. But the thing is, really, as Christians, it's important for you and I to know what the Bible says. Would you agree? Right. And so as Christians, it's not just important for you and I to know what the Bible says, but it's important for you and I to know what the Bible means when it says something, right? We, we want to understand the Bible properly. And, and, and so today I want to look at another, another thing the Bible says that really seems to trip up a, a, lot of, a lot of people. If you've got your Bibles, I want you to go to Matthew chapter 7. In Matthew chapter 7, we're going to look at one of the most misquoted or one of the most, one of the most quoted verses in the Bible. Uh, these are quoted by Christians. These verse, this verse is quoted by non-Christians. And these again are words of Jesus. Matthew chapter 7, verse 1. Here's what the Bible says. It says, do not judge. Man, that is the only verse that some people know, right? People say, do not judge. Jesus said, do not judge. The Bible says, do not judge. They can't tell you where the Bible says this. They don't know the reference, but they know somewhere in the Bible, the Bible says, do not judge. Jesus said, do not judge, or what? Or you too will be judged. Now, come on. Have you ever said something like this to somebody, hey, you know, It's not my place to judge. You ever said something like that? Maybe somebody has said that to you. Hey, 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 hey. It's not your place. It's not your place to judge. The great theologian Tupac sang a song back in 1996 that said, only God can judge me, right? Uh, I saw somebody this past week showed their tattoo they just got on Facebook, you know what I mean? And the tattoo said, only God can judge me. Well, the thing about judging is that it's bad to judge wrongly. It's, it's bad to judge the wrong way. And how many of y'all have ever been wrongly judged? You've been wrongly judged, judged before? Uh, you won't believe this, but that has never happened uh, to me. Nobody has ever wrongly judged me. I'm just kidding. People have said all kinds of crazy stuff uh, about me. They still do. I heard this past week somebody uh, had heard something that somebody else said about me, and they were telling it to me, and as they were telling me, I'm just going, Really? Really, that's, that's, what, that's, what somebody, that's what somebody... Anybody ever been there? You had something like that kind of happen, happen to you? But honestly, again, it feels horrible to, to be judged the wrong way. And what's crazy is that this theme, this, this theme alone often drives non-Christians away from Christianity. They'll say things like, Christians are so judgmental. You ever heard somebody say that? Christians are a bunch of hypocrites. You ever heard somebody say that? Christians are so narrow? minded. Again, Jesus says, do not judge or you too will be Judge well is that what jesus actually meant when he said that because if that's really what he meant how many students do we have in the room students if you are a student and if that's really what jesus meant if you go to school and the teacher assigns you like an essay to write you know what i mean that that teacher if that's true do not judge or you too will be judged if that's true then no teacher has a right whether to judge your paper and give you an a or b who are they to judge you right if you take what Jesus says there at face value you know what I mean then no juror on a jury has the right to really say whether or not someone is guilty of committing a crime or not because again who are you to judge me if we take what Jesus said at face value and you are married is it okay to have sex with anyone you want because again who are you to judge whether or not this is right or wrong? Do not judge, or you too will be judged. Is that what Jesus is saying? I think we would all probably agree that on some levels, it's okay to judge a little bit. Wouldn't, wouldn't we agree That is So this is a real complicated concept, but it is also a very important concept. So we've got we've to get it right. Do not judge, or you too will be judged. What exactly does that mean? Does it mean that we never have the right To tell somebody, hey, the behavior that you have is wrong. It's again it's it's complicated, but it's really, really, really important. And so if you were here last week, how many people were here last week? If you were here last week, we kind of briefly talked about how to interpret or how to how to really understand what the Bible is saying correctly. I gave you guys three quick steps. First step, I told you, the first thing that we want to do is we want to understand the context of the passage of the scripture and what that means is we want to know who wrote it, we want to know when they wrote it, we want to know why they wrote it, we want to know who they wrote it to. We want to know what's going on before and after that verse. That's how we get the context. We don't want to we don't want to take a text, we don't want to take the text out of context because if you take the text out of context, all you're left with is a Con, right? And so the second thing we said is, hey, the best way to interpret scripture is with what? Other scripture. With with the Bible. When we find a particular topic of in one verse, we want to go through the entire verse and see what, or the entire Bible, and see what the Bible says about that topic, right? We want to take the totality of scripture to build our theology. The third thing that we said was basically that we're not just going to be hearers of the word only, but what we are actually going to apply what we are learning in our lives. So again, when we're interpreting scripture, the best thing to do is understand the context, interpret scripture with scripture, and then apply what it is that you are learning. So let's try to do this with this passage in Matthew chapter Matthew chapter seven and verse. Uh, Matthew chapter 7, verse 1. So what comes before Matthew chapter 7? Anybody know? Matthew chapter 6. You guys are smart. Boy, yeah, man, we ain't from Pearl. We know what's going on. Oh, man, Matthew Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6 is before Matthew chapter 7. And if you read chapter 6, what you are going to find is that there is this theme that's pretty consistent throughout the entire chapter, and it is the theme of hypocrisy in Matthew chapter 6 verse 2 look at what Jesus says he says so when you give to the needy do not announce it with trumpets as the what hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets to be honored by others again hypocrites this is a theme then you get to Matthew chapter 6 verse 5 and look at what Jesus says he says and when you pray do not be like the what The hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Again, there's this hypocrisy, this hypocrites that's going on. Matthew chapter 6, verse 16. Jesus says, When you fast, do not look somber as the hypocrites do, for they disfigure their faces to show others they are fasting. Again, there is this continual flow of teaching from Jesus that deals with the theme of hypocrisy. And then we get to Matthew chapter 7. Jesus says, do not judge. Well, in that very same chapter, Jesus tells us to watch out and to be on guard for false prophets. So wait, 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 wait. If if Jesus has just told me not to judge, but I'm supposed to watch out for false prophets, if I'm going to watch out for false prophets, what do I have to make? I've got to make a judgment, right? I've got to make a judgment on whether or not this person is from God and what they are saying is from God. So again, what in the world is Jesus saying? So let's use other scripture to really figure out what the Bible says about judging and and as we're doing this as we're looking at other scriptures i'm going to point you i'm going to point out three things that the bible is very clear about when it comes to judging if you're keeping notes you want to write them down the first thing that i want you to see the bible says about judging is the bible says don't judge superficially don't judge superficially now let's be honest almost all of us do this and we do it really often we really do but here's what Jesus says in John chapter 7, verse 24. I want you to see this. Again, this is Jesus. He says, stop judging by mere appearances, but instead, what? Judge correctly. Judge correctly. Now, have we caught Jesus in a lie? Because, again, just a little while ago, what did he say? He said, do not judge, or what? You too will be judged. But now he's saying, hey, if you're going to judge, when you judge, you need to judge correctly what Jesus is actually trying to tell us is that there is a time for you and I to judge but when we step into that role when that time comes we need to make sure that we are judging correctly we need to make sure we do it correctly so please Jesus says don't judge by mere appearances have you ever met somebody who does that who judges by appearances don't point if they're sitting next to you right Right? But I mean, I know some people who this seems to be their spiritual gift that they can just judge. They just want to point it. Can you believe what she's doing? Can you believe what they're wearing? Oh, I know she didn't. I mean, I know some people who really are like that. But what's crazy is that we all do this from time to time. We all judge based off of mere appearances. We have this tendency to judge superficially. Like, I've shared this story with you guys before but uh, i used to serve at a church and one one day right before i went up to preach this person comes up to me they grab they grab my arm and they said i just want you to know how ashamed i am that my pastor wears flip-flops that's that's really what they said and i've had people tell me i'm not going to a church where the pastor wears flip-flops bruh really people who make that kind of judgment man they'd have hated jesus Because I can assure you he ain't wearing dress shoes. He didn't. He didn't wear dress, shoes, and people who make that kind of judgment, they would have hated the Old Testament prophets, right? Y'all know who Isaiah is? Isaiah went around preaching for three years. You say, oh, really? That's nice. Yeah, he went around preaching for three years. You got to see this. Isaiah chapter 20, verse 2. Check it out. The Bible says this. During that time, the Lord had spoken through Isaiah, son of Amos. Wouldn't you want to hear from somebody who the Lord had spoken directly to? So God has spoken directly to this guy. And here's what he says. Go take off your sackcloth and remove the sandals from from your feet, and he did so going naked and barefoot. The Lord said, As my servant Isaiah has gone naked and barefoot three years as a sign. You see that? Isaiah wasn't just preaching, he was preaching naked. He didn't he didn't even put on flip-flops. I'm at least wearing flip-flops, <laughs> right? Can you imagine for three years? Wouldn't this have made for some really odd sermons? You know what I mean? Parents covering up their kids' eyes, you know, parents covering up their eyes. You know, I mean, this would be awkward. This would be awkward. Man, listen to me. What's on your feet is not an indicator of what's in your heart. It's not. You say, Robert, you're a nut. Well, at least I'm screwed on the right bolt. You know what I'm saying? Amen. Praise (laughs) the Lord. Listen, I've been judged superficially many times, and I know that each and every person in this room, you have to. You have to. At one point in your life, you have as well. But I also know that we tend to judge others the same way. We tend to judge others the same way. It's so easy to do, so we've got to be careful. We've got to be careful never to judge somebody from a distance. We've got to be careful never to judge someone Just because of mere appearances. You know, all too often we want to judge somebody because of the color of their skin. We want to judge somebody based off of what they are wearing. We want to judge somebody based off of what they are driving or where they live. But Jesus says, don't you ever do that. Again, in John chapter 7, verse 24, what did Jesus say? He says, stop. Everybody say, stop. Stop Stop judging by what? Mere appearances. Instead... Judge correctly. Do you know that it's God that looks at what? The heart. He doesn't look at mere appearances, and that's something that you and I have to learn to do. So we've got to stop judging superficially. Not only do we need to stop judging superficially, but the next thing that I want you to see this morning is that we've got to, the Bible says, never judge hypocritically. Never judge hypocritically. Now, remember our main passage is in Matthew chapter 7. And what was the theme, again, in Matthew chapter 6? Hypocrisy. That's what's happening in Matthew chapter 6. So Jesus is dealing with hypocrisy, and in Matthew chapter 7, again, this is what's going on, because I want you to see something that I'm not quite sure I had really uh, seen before, but check this out. Matthew chapter 7, starting we'll start in verse, verse 1. He says, "...do not judge, or you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged." And with the same measure you use, it will be measured back to you. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? Now, let me stop. Have you ever had something like in your eye? Man, Maybe you was cutting the grass or something like that or some dust got up in your eye or a rock or maybe just whatever. It got an eyelash in there and so your eye is hurting and you man, it's kind of irritating. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Everybody ever been there? Just me? A couple times I've had that happen? Well, well here, here's the thing. You know, when you have something in your eye, you don't, you don't have to have somebody come up to you and say, hey, there's something in your eye. Right? It's like, you know, you're like, Man, I I didn't know why I couldn't keep my eye open and why my tear ducts are causing tears to run all over my face. I had no idea I had something in my eye. Thank you so much for revealing that to me, Holy Spirit. Right? You don't have to say that. You know when there's something in your eye. And what's serious about getting something in your eye, like a dirt or a speck of sawdust, is that if you leave it in your eye long enough, you know what will happen? It can get infected. Then if it stays in your eye even longer than that, you might actually lose an eye. So a speck in someone else's eye, it's, it's really, it really is a big deal, and it needs to be dealt with. So look at what Jesus says. He says in verse 3, Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye? Who's I? Your brother's eye. Three different times in these verses right here, he uses the word brother. He uses the word brother. He doesn't say, why do you look at the speck of sawdust in a stranger's eye? Somebody you don't know. He doesn't say, why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your enemy's eye? He says, why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's Ah, That word brothers indicates that there's some sort of relationship where you care for one another, where you actually want the best for one another. It's not like a friend that you just see once or twice a year, somebody who you say is your Facebook friend on Facebook, you know, but they're not really your friend. Anybody know what I'm talking about? How many of y'all got like 100 friends on Facebook? You don't even know half of them. I think I got like 200. I don't know none of them. You know, I'm just kidding. I know a lot of y'all. But anyway, again, that's what we are. He says, he says do, why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? Now, when Jesus said that, everybody in the crowd probably laughed because they understood what Jesus was saying. A lot of times when we're reading it, we just read over it. But again, Jesus, Jesus made everybody laugh with this comment because it would be like me coming up here and preaching a sermon like this. Man, we got to deal with these people over here, boy. Man, they got stuff in their eye, man. They got that sawdust in their eye. They got, man, we just, we need to, we, we, y'all need to get right. You need to get, if y'all would be like, man, I ain't listening to nothing that man says. He need to go to the hospital. Something wrong with him. He needs to get that dealt with ASAP. Even if I came up to you and said, brother, man, I love you so much, but you got something in your eye. I mean, you're, what are you going to be thinking? You're not going to be able to take me seriously. You're going to be like, man, that dude really, really, really has issues. And so look at what he says. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye when you, what? you got a plank in your own eye. Look at what he says in verse 5. Where am I at? I don't even know. I can't even see. I need to take this out of my eye. What does he say? He says, in verse 5, he says, you hypocrite, Right? What's he saying? What's the theme here? Hypocrisy. There's this continual theme. And so he says, you hypocrite. And then he says, first. What does that indicate? That there is a process involved with helping somebody who really does have a speck of sawdust in their eye. He says, first, first, take the plank out of your own eye. Why? Why? then you will clearly see, you will clearly be able to remove the speck from your brother's eye. So Jesus doesn't say, just ignore it. Just ignore the speck. Just ignore the speck. He he doesn't say, just don't worry about that speck. He just says, before you go and help your brother with their speck, you know what you need to do? You need to deal with your issue that you got, which many people just don't want to do. A lot of people don't want to do that. See, a lot of people like to point out other people's problems, and you know why they like to do it? Because they hope that by them pointing out somebody else's problems, it will hide their own. It'll hide their own. Our problem all too often is we like to accuse others and excuse ourselves. We like to accuse others and excuse ourselves. We like to go to others and say, you're wrong, what you're doing is wrong, this is wrong, you need to stop that. Man, I'm gonna tell everybody, we like, to, we like to do that, but when somebody comes up to us pointing out something that we have done that's wrong, we'll say something like this, well, you just don't know the whole story. If you knew what I've been through, you wouldn't feel that way. If you knew what had happened to me, you, 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 wouldn't, you, wouldn't, you wouldn't worry with me. I only did it one time. That's what we do. Again, we like to accuse others and excuse ourselves. But Jesus says, hey, when you do that, you're judging hypocritically. The Bible says again, never judge superficially. It says never judge hypocritically. It says judge correctly. So how do we judge correctly? What do we do? Well, if you keep notes, you want to write it down. The Bible says if you're going to judge correctly, you need to judge mercifully. You need to judge mercifully. You judge mercifully. Why? Because at some point, you too will what? Be judged. Look at what Jesus says again in Matthew chapter 7, this, our main passage in verse 2. Here's what he says. He says, for in the same way that you judge others, what? You'll be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Now, how many people in the room you like to be embarrassed? Anybody you like to be embarrassed? I, I actually don't know anybody who just loves to be embarrassed. Like if you went up to somebody and said, hey, what would you like for your birthday? I don't know anybody who says, well, I'd really like for you to take me to this restaurant down the road that's going to put a big old hat on my head. Everybody's going to come and sing. I don't even know what to say. But anyway, they're going to be singing, and then they're going to shove my face in some kind of dessert. I don't know anybody who's like, hey, that's really what I want for my birthday. I'd love it. Anybody, have you met anybody that's ever like that? Again, we don't like, to be, we don't like to be embarrassed. So think about this. And we're all adults, right? Most of us. So have you, ever, like, have you ever, like, looked down maybe? And, like, you had, a, you had a button on your shirt unbuttoned. Anybody? Or, or maybe, like, the zipper on your, your pants was unzipped. Has anybody, it just has it ever happened. And then you wonder, you start wondering, oh, God, how long have I been walking around like that? Anybody know what I'm talking about? Or, or, or maybe it wasn't something that you noticed. Maybe it was something that somebody else noticed about you. So, so like, let's hypothetically say that you had some friends, you know, hanging out in your nose. You Anybody know what I'm talking about? Come on, man. We're adults, but you had some friends kind of hanging out, you know, and so if you're in a group of people talking, and you, again, you got an issue that really needs some attention, but if you're, if you're in a situation like that, you, you know, hanging out with some friends, and somebody walks up to you and says, man, you're disgusting. You got a boogie the size of Alabama hanging out of your nose. If somebody does that, are, aren't you kind of embarrassed? Right? You don't want somebody to do it that way, right? If you if you got a situation that needs some attention, what you hope is that one of your friends, somebody that you love, comes up to you and they're like. <laughs> you, what you hope is that somebody comes along not trying to draw attention to the situation, right? You, what you hope is that somebody comes along lovingly and says, hey, bro, you need to handle that because that looks you know what I mean? That's what you're hoping. That's really what you're hoping happens. Well, that's the same way we should bring correction to a brother or sister in Christ who is caught up in sin. It is. I want you to see this. Galatians chapter 6, verse 1. Here's what Paul says. Brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in a sin, you who live by the Spirit should restore that person gently. You see that? How do you do it? Gently. You don't go to them and say, look, you idiot. If you don't get your life right, you're going to hell. You don't go up to them and do that. You go to them gently. Gently. And do you know the whole reason that you go to them gently is so that you will what? Restore that person. Can we just say the church is a lot of times bad about, like, shooting their wounded? You know what I mean? Man, this world will shoot you enough. Man, in church, we ought to want to pull each other up, lift each other up. And so we go to restore them. It's it's not so that, you know, we can feel prideful about being the person that corrected them. It's not so that, you know, we we can really feel super spiritual about being the one who pointed out their flaw. No, we go and bring correction gently with the hope of restoring them. You go gently and mercifully. You say, hey, brother, I love you. That's why I'm here. That's why I'm coming to you, man. Because I see what's going on in your life, and I see you going down a road that you don't want to go down. And so I'm here to help. What can I do to help you? You show them the same grace you would like to be shown if you were in their shoes. You show them the same mercy you would like to be shown if you were in their shoes. You show them the same love you would like to be shown if you were in their shoes. Again, the same grace that God has shown you. You show them. Paul says, brothers or sisters, brothers and sisters, if someone is caught up in a sin, you who live by the Spirit should restore that person gently, but watch yourselves or you also may be tempted. So Paul says, be careful. Be careful. Make sure you get it right. Because the moment you start correcting others, you make yourself vulnerable to pride. Again, have you ever met somebody and then they were like, I put them in their place. I really told them what was going on. There's this this pride that can can really swell up inside of us when we correct somebody else. And the Bible also teaches that pride goes before a fall. And so again, we're told, be careful. Be careful. Be careful when you bring correction. You have to use discernment. You need tongues of wisdom. So anytime we judge, the Bible tells us how to do it. We don't judge superficially. We don't judge hypocritically. We judge correctly. And so we judge mercifully. We do it gently because one day, one day it might just be us being judged. Again, Jesus said, from the same way you judge others, you will be judged. The same measure you use will be measured to you. See, I'm wrapping up. I'm almost done. But the truth is, we've all at some point in our life we've all been judged incorrectly and when it happens it hurts it does i've been there i know it hurts and i know that some of the people in this room again you you've been judged and it hurts you even today right now you might be something might be going on in your life and there are some people who are judging you, and they're judging you wrongly. They're judging you wrongly, and, it, and it, they're saying things about you that aren't true. Maybe they're saying things that just hurt. Maybe they keep reminding you of your past. They keep reminding you of something that happened 5, 10, 15, 20, maybe even 30 years ago. I mean, this past week, I was at the gym. I know y'all can tell I've been working out. But I was at the gym this past week. And I saw somebody I hadn't seen in a couple years, and it's not like, uh, not like we hate each other. That's why we hadn't seen each other. It's just sometimes life happens, right, and life takes you in different, different directions. And so I saw this guy I hadn't seen in a while we started talking, and uh, he asked about the church. Man, and I, I told him, I said, man, I said, things are great. I said, God is so good. He's, he's done great things. He's doing great things, and I know he's going to continue to do good things. And, and he was proud. He was proud for me, and he was proud for the church, and he kind of shook his head and just smiled because he remembered when Elevate first started, and he remembered there was a lot of people who were saying all sorts of crazy stuff about me, that I'm a crook, that I'm a thief, that I'm a false prophet, I'm a heretic, and the person in the gym, he just said, man, it's crazy. He said, it's crazy how people said all these crazy things about you. But look at what God has done. He said, God is so good. But when he said that, when he said, you know, all these people who said all these things about you, I'm just going to be honest with you. In that moment, I heard in my mind all those negative things that people said about me for years. I heard it all in my mind, and, and like, I, again, at the gym, right across the road. I, I just felt immediate this weight of frustration and pain and hurt. Have you ever been there? So I'm, I'm feeling all that just in an instant, just having this conversation. And he was trying to be encouraging, but, again, it just, it just pushed down on me. And so as I'm, I mean, honestly, as I'm feeling that way, it's like I felt God say to me, You're you're not what those people say about you. Again, I'm at the gym. This is how I feel. Just real, real quick. He said, you're not what those people say about you. You are who I say that you are. I felt it in my spirit. God said, you're not who those people say you are. You are Who I am. And it was one of those Holy Spirit moments where I just felt peace and I felt encouraged. And just how I felt the other day in the gym, I'm here to encourage somebody today who feels judged, who feels down. Man, somebody has been judging you incorrectly. I want to encourage you and I want you to know: you know what? You're not who they say you are. Don't let that person define you. Because if you let that person define you, Satan will defeat you. Don't let that happen. You get in God's word and you understand what God says about you. You understand who you are in Christ. And when I go to my word and when I read what Christ says about me, here's what he says. He says, I am free. I am forgiven. I am un- I'm, I'm a child of God. I'm a citizen of heaven. You need to know who you are. Don't worry about those people who judge you incorrectly. Your heavenly Father knows the truth. He knows the truth. You be who God commands you to be. And just understand that if somebody is judging you wrongly, God is more upset about it than you are. Because you're His child. And He loves you. Man, He loves you. He loves you. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, I don't know where you're at in your spiritual walk, but again, here's what I do know. I know that from time to time, we're all judged. Sometimes we're judged incorrectly. And it hurts. And I want you to be encouraged today. God loves you. He knows who you are. He knows who you are. But maybe you're here today and you know the life that you've been living hadn't been good. It's not been the life that God's called you to live. I want you to know today that God still loves you. And God has you here because he wants to forgive you today. And he wants to give you new life. And so if you're here today... And you want to receive forgiveness of your sins. You want to be saved. You want to become a new person, like the Bible says. I'm going to encourage you to pray this prayer right where you are. Just, Father, forgive me for all my sins. Thank you, Father, for loving me. Thank you, Father, for sending Jesus to save me. Today, I confess Christ. As Lord, I confess Christ as Savior. Empower me with your Holy Spirit so that I can be who it is that you say I am. Again, our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed. But if you prayed to receive Christ today, if you prayed to be saved, I'm going to ask it right where you are, just so I'll know. I'm going to ask it right where you are that you raise your hand and just say, Hey, you know what? I prayed to receive Jesus. Amen. 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 two people, three people, amen. Father, thank you so much for new life. I pray for these individuals who have raised their hands indicating that they've given their life to you. Father, I pray that it will be a very real experience. I pray that they'll have a peace that comes on them because your Holy Spirit is living in them. Father, I just ask that you would continue to bless Elevate Church. I thank you for what you're doing. I thank you for what you're gonna do. I pray all these things in the precious name.